Hello, welcome back to Adorn Podcast. This is episode 88, and today we're going to dive into Matthew chapter 10. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So I'm going to throw a random question at you okay. to get started. What has God been teaching you about himself in the past few weeks? Oh my goodness. Well, I feel like this is a little bit of a cheat answer because um, right now I'm teaching a class at our local church about attributes of God. Uh-huh. And so I feel like the, what he's been teaching me is um, kind of something that we had talked about back in our Who God Is series, which is that God is infinite and he's intimate. And we'll talk a little bit about that actually in today's episode. But he's just been so faithful to remind me of that message. Yeah. Um, and just keep reminding me that um, like in the episode that we talked about that and in my class I talked about how in the... Um, Lord's prayer, how it starts out with our father who art in heaven. Mm -hmm. We see that example. He is our father. He is close. He is intimate and personal, but it also says you are in heaven and hallowed be your name and to keep that um, appropriate reverence for God. And so I think just, he's been reminding me of that truth that whenever I start to lean into the fact that, Oh God, you're so distant and you're so high above, then he's faithful to remind me, no, I'm, I know the hairs on your head Mm, or vice versa. When I start to think, Oh God, you're just like my buddy, which, Mm. you know, is true. He does want to be near to us, but it, like he's faithful to remind me like I am big I have all things in my hands all things mm-hmm. under my control and so he's just been faithful to like remind me of that balance it's good that was a curveball I didn't see that I one know. coming How I know about you? I just thought about it at five o'clock this morning when I couldn't sleep um something that we ac- actually I feel like we haven't talked about a ton Ooh, okay. but um just God's sufficiency how God he is enough and this is something that I've been struggling with a lot because um I think I'm constantly trying to be enough. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to be enough for my kids, for my husband, Mm -hmm. for the rest of my family, for Mm -hmm. my friends. And God this week was just like, Casey, I'm enough. Like Mm -hmm. I'm enough for you. I'm enough for them. Mm -hmm. I'm enough. I'm sufficient to meet all of your needs, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual. Like I'm, I'm it. I'm Mm -hmm. all you need. So he's just been reminding me of that. That's super good. Cause one of the things we talked about in that um, theology class, at my church is like who in your life needs to know that you are limited. Oh, cause it was that, oh, it was that good. same idea of like, <laughs> yes. we don't think we're limited and we don't let others realize that we're yeah. limited because we want to be enough for them. And God's the only one who really is. And like mm-hmm. how freeing that is to just like even verbalize it. Like, Hey kids, I'm not enough for you. Right. Like I'm not enough for anybody. Everybody needs Jesus. And just like being able to own that. And I think verbalize is really helpful. That. That's really, really good. Yeah. I needed to hear that. Yeah. Okay. So moving on in chapter 10. So where did we leave off at, um, in chapter nine? So chapter nine ended, which I kind of almost wish this would have been in chapter 10. I feel like it would have been, well, I mean, I can't criticize those. Who I know, but yeah, chapters, but, yeah. but we ended with this kind of plea, this realization, um, of, oh my gosh, there's so much to do and we don't feel like we have enough people to do mm-hmm. it. And like the laborers are few and there's a ton that needs to be harvested. Right. And so we're kind of seeing what Jesus's response is to that plea of his disciples of, Hey, how are we going to do this? We're desperate and they're praying and they're seeking like God, what, what's your plan here? What's, what's Mm -hmm. kind of your plan for reaching all of this 
work that needs to be done. Yeah. And it's really interesting because we're about to see Jesus kind of answers it yeah. pretty quickly. And I don't think they realized that they were going to be a part of that plan. Right. They were like, oh, no, we thought you were going to handle that. Uh-huh. But, yeah. you know, God's so gracious to invite us to be a part of it. And mm-hmm. I think this is a good reminder. I mean, we talk about this all the time. But if you're newer to the show, this is a good reminder of why we're going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Because if we were like, hey, we're just going to study Ooh, chapter yeah. 10, we wouldn't really see that this is a response mm-hmm. to their plea and their prayer for, you know, for help and to understand what the plan was. So it's really important. And we're really big, um, proponents. We're really big fans. We're really big believers Mm -hmm. in studying, um, through the whole book. So that way we understand, okay, when we pick up in chapter 10 with the commissioning of the apostles and the disciples, we see that it's in response right. to what mm-hmm. has been happening to the Sermon on the Mount where he was teaching them through mm-hmm. his word and then through the miracles where he's teaching them his power and then now he's going to be sending. Right, right. Yeah. So these are verses one through four. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. So this is, you know, one of those times where we're like, oh, it's just the names of people that doesn't really matter. But this does matter because kind of like what we were talking about before, how God, he is personal and he does care. And we, one of the ways we see that is through the names. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like he could have just said the disciples or, you know, right. he doesn't have to tell us like, and the son of, or the brother of, but he does. And he cares about, he cares about individuals. He cares about their names. He cares about their families. Um, and he, I think it's really neat because we see in here, like Simon, the zealot, Matthew, the tax collector. And so he's kind of saying, Hey, here's how you are identifying yourself by what you did or Mm -hmm. the family you were from or your own, how, how you would call yourself. Oh, I'm Matthew, the tax collector. Or we might say, I'm Aaron, the podcaster, or I'm whatever. Mm -hmm. And in what we're going to see is that Jesus saying is, no, I'm giving you a mission and and you're mine. And that's your identity that not who you were or what you did, but the fact that you're mine, that's your identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. It's a good reminder for all of us. So I listened to a really good sermon um, by our man, R.C. Sproul, our main (laughs) man. Um, He was talking about how this is such a significant part of the Bible. I mean, Mm. all the Bible is significant. But he said the calling of his disciples is one of the most important and lasting significant things that Jesus did during his ministry. Mm. Which is crazy to me because you think of all these miracles. And you think of all these like big things Mm. that Jesus did. But the calling of Mm. these apostles was huge because it created this ripple effect that we're still seeing today. Right. And so I thought that was really neat. And then he also explained the difference between a disciple and an apostle. That's super helpful. He said that a disciple um, is a student or learner and that there were probably more than 12. Like Mm -hmm. we talked about last week, there were a lot of people at the Sermon on the Mount and those could probably, a lot of those could be considered 
disciples, if they're, you know, learning from mm-hmm. Jesus, but he called and commissioned these 12 for a very important task. And he changed them from student to apostle. And an apostle is one who is sent or commissioned by someone in authority. Then that person gives their authority to those they are sending. So Jesus is an apostle because he was sent by the father into the world and he speaks nothing of his own authority. It's all from mm-hmm. the authority of the father Mm -hmm. and so jesus is an apostle of the father and then now jesus is calling these apostles and giving him their authority and Mm -hmm. i liked this too he pointed out that we see the word author and the word authority because god has the ultimate authority since he's the author of life Ooh, that's i liked that a lot yeah it was a really good sermon so we'll be sure to link it and he actually had like four or five other ones that take you all through matthew 10 i didn't listen to all of them but i'm sure they're they're all great too yeah yeah that's really good i think as we're like thinking about like these specific, like you're saying, they have a different calling on their life to be apostles and what that means for them. We're going to see a little bit more, but I listened to a message by, um, Tabidi and, um, he, he explained it in a really good way. He said, as we look at the calling of the disciples and what Jesus is asking them to do, he explains that he gives them a mandate, a method and a message. And so as we go through chapter 10, I think just kind of keeping that in mind that that's what Jesus is doing. He's giving them a mandate. He's giving them a method Mm -hmm. and then he's giving them a message to take to the world. So we'll see that kind of as we read, but before we move on from this section, we're talking about how God cares about the individuals and their families, how he has a calling for specifically for these 12 and he's going to give them his his power and their in his authority which we're going to see but I don't want us to skip the fact that these people don't really have a lot of authority on their own right so it's not like he's taking these military rulers Mm -hmm. or these kings or like he's not taking people who are in high positions of power I mean we'll see later that um many people are kind of stumbled and confused by why there's a tax collector and and different things like that people who are seen you know as um, kind of cast out sometimes mm-hmm. from society and people and these, that you don't want to hang around with. <laughs> right. But yeah. these are the people that are his apostles mm-hmm. that he's going to give authority to. And so I think we, we need to just like not move on from things too quickly. Like really just think about that and think about what that tells us about God. You know, it shows us that he cares about, like we've been saying, he cares about the marginalized. He cares about those who look different. He cares about those who people think are different. He uses people because of his calling and his power in in their lives, not because of anything that they earned or are worthy of. I think that tells us so much about our God. It does. And there's just so much in these first four verses. I feel like we could spend an hour talking about it. But one of the things that was pointed out when I was reading was that he first says Simon Peter. If Mm. you know anything Mm. about the story of Jesus's life, you know that Peter messes up yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. And Jesus knew that Peter was going to mess up, but yeah. yet he still called him out first. Mm-hmm. And I, so I thought that was really cool yeah. because a lot of times I feel like I really relate to Peter. I'm yeah. like, man, Peter's running his mouth again, yeah. you know? <laughs> and so I thought that was really neat. Um, I also heard that, you know, Matthew is the one writing this and he made sure to say Matthew, the tax collector. Oh yeah. I forgot so about he that. Was, He's the one writing it. Yeah. He was wanting to remember where he came from. Oh, that's He was good. wanting to, to tell the whole story. Mm. And you know, our history is such a 
big part of God's story. I actually, we have a friend that's battling cancer right now and I ran into her at Hobby Lobby and I was (laughs) so excited to see her. Um, and that's one thing she, she said in our conversation, she said, Casey, it's his story. Mm -hmm. It's God's story, but we get to be a part of that. And so our, our history is his story. That's such a good word because it, probably would have been much easier for him to just say Matthew because a tax yeah. collector, people didn't like tax collectors. Right. Right. And so many times I think when we're telling people when you meet someone and they're like, tell me your story or tell me more about you. We try to kind of hide the parts we don't <laughs> yeah, like absolutely. or the parts we're embarrassed about. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. He's not doing that. He's owning that. He's like, this is who I was. And in the power of Jesus, this is who I am right. now. That's right. cool. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. We should probably move on, but there's so much in those first four <laughs> verses. And it starts to get a little bit tough. <laughs> yes, it as does. We move about it this, does. So. so verses five through fifteen. These twelve uh Je- these twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without pay. Acquire no gold or silver or copper for your belts, no bag for your journey, or two tunics or sandals or a staff for the laborers labor deserves his food and whatever town or village you enter find out who is worthy in it and stay there until you depart as you enter the house greet it if the house is worthy let your peace come upon it but if it is not worthy let your peace return to it and if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town truly i say to you it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of sodom and gomorrah than for that town so the first the first little section where it was saying go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, that part kind of like I was like, what? And we we're big encouragers here of like if something is confusing to you or you're like, that doesn't really make any sense. Like, don't just skip past it. Sometimes that's kind of my tendency is like, yeah. oh, well, I don't have to understand everything. I'm never going to understand everything. So I might as well not try. And that's not true. I think if something, you know, is confusing to you, that might be the Holy Spirit trying to be like, hey, I want you to understand this more, like dig a little deeper. Yeah. And so um, I read in a commentary in my uh, Spurgeon Bible. And what he said was that what we can take away from this, those particular verses is that Jesus has a particular um like mission for Mm -hmm. each of us and a particular place for each of us. And so at that time it was a specific place, a specific people. And as we see um, later in Matthew in chapter 28, he talks about, and now go to the ends of the earth. And so particularly for us, like what, what we can take away from this is don't just like, think, oh, missions is somewhere else or those people are serving somewhere else. But to really just seek what the Lord has for you exactly where you are. Um, in, in he says in his commentary, Spurgeon says, we must ask the Lord where we should work as well as what our work will be for our master knows how we can best serve mm-hmm. him. And if we're constantly, I feel like, Oh, I just, I just want to serve the Lord. I just want to serve the Lord. I just want to serve the Lord. But how often do I slow down and be like, what does it look like exactly. for me to serve you yeah. Lord? And it's going to look different. It might look like homeschooling your kids. Mm-hmm. It might look like telling people about him in the workplace. It might be at your kids' basketball games. It, like it, it, it's going to look different for everybody. But if we're just looking at other people to see like, Oh, that's how you serve the Lord. Then right. we could be missing exactly what Jesus has for us. Yeah. That's really good. I mean, I remember 
remember growing up and seeing the missionaries that would come to church that lived in. I have a friend that she, uh, her parents were missionaries and they were in Barbados. Mm. And um, I just thought that was so cool. And I was like, oh, they're serving the Lord, you know, so much. And they were. Yeah. But that was my idea of Mm. like what it was, you know, to really serve the Lord. And now she's a foster mommy and adopting this baby and she's serving in a completely type mm-hmm. of mission, different type of mission field um, than when she was in Barbados as a kid, but it's still a yeah, mission field. Yeah. And so I think that's such a good reminder. I also heard that him saying, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel was fulfilling that Israel is the chosen people and he will go to them first. And Paul kind of reiterates this in Romans one sixteen. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So that's what, um, I was listening to the village, the women's Bible study lesson on this. Lauren Chandler was teaching it. And she, she mentioned that Mm -hmm. too. And one thing Lauren kept saying over and over in her, um, lesson on this, she kept saying, Jesus does not send us to out to do something he hasn't already done. And so he's done the work for us. Mm. He set an example for us and he gives us his spirit. So we're not doing this on our own. Like Jesus isn't saying, yeah, you go do all this stuff and I'm just going to sit here. Yeah. Yeah. He has done it all. Um, and so, yeah, that was a good reminder. And she she also mentioned that. She mentioned about the, you know, every time you go to the mission field, you're not going to, like, raise people from the dead. Right. Like, that's not something we see really a lot anymore. Um, there are miracles that happen, and that's what she said. She said, I know this is kind of a secondary thing. And so, like, if you believe opposite, I still love you, and yeah, you're yeah. still my sister, and I love that. I just love the, you know, the graciousness that um, she said that with. But she said, you know, she believes a miracle still. Mm-hmm. And um, she said that she believes that we can still see those things, but it doesn't mean that that's going to happen every time. Right. That's not the proof. Right. Of, yeah. And we also, but we should be hungry for a little bit of mm-hmm. that at mm-hmm. least, you know, mm-hmm. like there's so much darkness in the world. Like we need to believe yeah. that Jesus can cast out demons mm-hmm. and that he can do these things through yeah. us. And so there's kind of this balance between like going overboard with like, you know, thinking that everybody's going to be healed and raised from the dead and mm-hmm. all that versus, Oh no, that, that stopped. Like there's no more miracles, right. you know? So right. it's tough. It's yeah. tough. And it's a very debated thing, but Jesus is Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. anyway, yeah. yeah, that's good. I think, too, when we're talking about, like we said at the beginning, that they're given a mandate and a mission and a message. And we see in this that their message is Jesus's message, which is the kingdom of heaven is near. Mm-hmm. The kingdom of heaven is near. And so he's giving them, like you're saying, the power, but also what what to say. What to say. Yeah, yeah. which is really helpful. Yeah. And we'll talk about that more as this goes on, is that he, they'll talk about like you don't have to worry about what you're going to say. I'm going to I'm going to help you with that. Yes. Not Praise just. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I think, too, in this part where he talks, it talks. Some of this is language that might sound weird to us because uh-huh. it's a different yes. culture and a different yes. time. But when it's talking about like, as you enter the house, greet it and things like that where we might not catch. But then it also talks about like, take no bag for your journey and, or two tunics or sandals or a staff or liberty. And, and what I just kept feeling like the Lord was 
reminded me in this passage is like, don't get distracted. Like, don't be distracted by your tunics or don't be distracted by pay or don't be distracted by the town or the house. Like, just focus on the mission and try not to worry about anything else. Yeah. And it's this idea of the upside down kingdom that we've been seeing all throughout Matthew. And Matthew would have understood this as a tax collector. Like, he Mm. was all about collecting money. So he would have understood, like, when Jesus said, like, don't worry about collecting money. Mm it would have kind of hit Matthew hard, you know, he would have been like, Oh, okay. So it's that going against the grain, going against culture that we've been seeing so much. And we also see that, um, when he talks about, um, people that are worthy, that means the ones that are open to receiving the message. Mm. Um, so, cause none of us are worthy, right? Like, you right. know, none of us are worthy. We're all sinners, but he's referring here to the ones that are willing to receive the message. And then another term, I liked this when I was reading it, the shake off the dust. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's easy to think it's like, just shake it off. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like Taylor Swift song or whatever. <laughs> but Lauren was saying it's actually more powerful than that. She hmm. said that, um, this is leaving a town or house that has rejected Jesus and cutting even the smallest ties oh. and saying like, okay, like you've rejected him. Like it's a serious thing mm. that in their days, like you said, there's like some weird verbiage here, yeah. but apparently that would have been like a big deal. Oh, I didn't know that. So. See, I just thought it was like shake the dirt too. off your shoulders. You like, know, don't worry off. about it. Yeah. Move on. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, apparently this was like pretty serious. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. All right, verses 16 through 25. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver a brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will raise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be healed. Oh my goodness, I'm struggling with reading. (laughs) You will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved when they persecute you in one town flee to the next for truly i say to you you will not have gone through all the towns of israel before the son of man comes a disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master it is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master if they have called the master of the house of Beelz- belzebub oh my goodness how much more will they malign those of his household that was a struggle but what's in it is even harder even more of a struggle (laughs) i think um one thing that we can just take from this passage is like persecution will come and that's not just for the people that he's speaking to directly but that's for us as well like in this life there will be persecution and we shouldn't be surprised by it. Um, I've heard a few pastors recently say that we're in like a post Christian culture, whereas, you know, maybe 50 years ago or so it was just assumed that, you know, everybody was Christian and did the Christian thing and, Mm. and understood who God was and everything like that. But now, you know, we're, we're kind of past that, which is really sad, but also like really refines the church, I think, but that's mm-hmm. a message for another time. But um, it's just a reminder for us that this passage where he's encouraging them, like, don't be surprised by persecution and hardship. That's kind of where we should 
be too. We shouldn't be surprised by it. Yeah. Well, when you said that's a message for a different time, my mind actually kind of went there. Whenever I was reading your notes, I mm-hmm. was like, oh, it kind of got me on a little bit of a rabbit trail. I was thinking about, yeah, we're in a po- post-Christian culture, but um, I, I think it's interesting to think about like growing up, I lived in Texas in the Bible Belt. One of the first questions you asked people almost mm-hmm. right after you asked their name was, what church do you go to? Mm. And... I was thinking about this. Like you don't ask that question as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking about this and I was like, is it really that we have less Christians or is it mm. less people Nominal. that go to church mm. and like people aren't being like trying to be something they're not yeah, anymore, yeah. Right. which, which Aaron alluded to, it kind of refines yeah. us as yeah. a church. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think in a way it's a good thing and it helps us that are serious about like, you know, spreading the the gospel, it helps us know who right. to spread it to. Yeah, you know, it's, that's true. it's helpful in that in that instance. But yes, uh, that's kind of a rabbit trail. It just kind of got yeah. me thinking about that. Like, is it really that there's less Christians, or is it just that there's less fake Christians? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate to say that, but no, no, you know what that's I mean. A good point. Yeah. Yeah, but I was when I was reading this and I read, "I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves." I was like, "Goodness, Jesus! Like, yeah. how harsh can you be?" Yeah, it seems a little intense, but then it's quickly followed by, "It's not who, you who speaks, but the Father, mm-hmm. the Spirit of the Father speaking through you," and that calms my heart down a little yeah. bit because yeah. I'm like, "Well, okay, like as long as I have the Spirit yeah. to help me, I guess I'll be a sheep in the midst of wolves." That's so good. <laughs> I mean, that takes us all the way <sighs> back to Abraham. I mean, like all the way back. To Genesis, where God's promise was, I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. And that's the same we see Jesus saying. I think that part in particular, like, really made me think about people in my life. Like, um, we have a good friend, Missy, who, like, I feel like every time she talks, it's the Spirit speaking through her. And that's something where I'm trying to get better at because I just am, like, totally a verbal processor and talk all the time. And so I'm trying to, like really be in the word and be ask his spirit to like speak through me so it's not so much me like less me and more you lord and this this is a good kind of reminder that it it matters Mm -hmm. it matters if it's more me or more god coming out of my mouth because what it says is we are sheep in a place of wolves and you know we're going to be persecuted and so i don't want it to be me i want it to be more of or the spirit speaking through me yeah i mean when we see be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves it's like what in the heck does that mean (laughs) but i heard i heard don't be naive but also be gracious Mm. like find that balance between you know not being as what did it say again uh innocent as dove don't be as innocent as as a dove and I naive and think everything's okay. Don't let people walk all over mm. you. But at the same time, you don't want to hit people over the head with your Bible either. Right, right. And so there's this balance mm-hmm. that you need to have. That's good. Um, yeah. Persecution's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. So moving on to have no fear. He just told us we're going to be attacked, <laughs> but have no fear. Here we go. Verses 26 through 33. So have no fear of them for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden. That is not, that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Remember, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than my sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, 
I also I will I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. It's a lot of stuff in this passage too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the first thing I think is where it says, "So have no fear of them," because. I think this is getting to the root of our fear of man. Yeah. Um, I've been really working on this as far, not so much necessarily as fear of man, but approval, like looking for approval of man, which I think is similar, um, kind of goes by the same thing. And I was listening to you, um, this, the message by Tabidi and he was talking about, this story is hard to retell because it's, it's really harsh, but he was talking about how he, you know, he, there was a, a friend's husband that, you know, he had been talking to and this guy was, I think an atheist and, but he never could get himself to like share the gospel with him because mm-hmm. he was, he, what he says and this, this quote was like, Oh, so harsh. But he said, I feared this man's words and face more than I loved his soul. And I think that's such a good reminder for us. And in this case in particular, he felt like the Holy Spirit was convicting him this Sunday afternoon. They were watching a football game or something. And he felt like the Holy Spirit was like, tell him about me, tell him about me. And he just kept saying no. And then the next day the guy died and he was like, I can't get over this because I feared this guy's words and his face more than I loved his soul. And I think that that dichotomy of fear and love, like we don't necessarily see the tension of the two. We just Mm -hmm. think, oh, I don't want to offend them. Right. But in not offending them, you're not loving their soul. And Mm -hmm. so keeping eternity in mind is what I think we need to take away from this is like, don't think just about their immediate response and Mm -hmm. I'm not saying like, just go and like, like you're saying, don't smack them with a Bible, but really be, um, sensitive to the spirits Mm -hmm. leading and be gracious and and be bold. Um, because that, that means you love their soul more than you fear their reaction. And that's real convicting. Oh, this was hugely convicting to me because I think it was Jenny Allen. It was Jenny Allen, right? Mm -hmm. That talked about this at the if gathering. And she was talking about how a lot of times, like, the root of basically any of our struggles comes down to fear. Mm. And it's easy to say, no, like Aaron just said, Mm -hmm. I don't struggle with fear. I mean, I want people to approve of me. Mm -hmm. I want people's approval, but that has nothing to do with fear. But in actuality, it does. We're afraid of letting others down. We're afraid of them thinking we're less than. We're afraid that our actions are going to lead to some sort of confrontation. Like that's one of my biggest fears. And so it really does boil down to fear. Mm -hmm. And so that's what, I think that's what Jesus is saying here. Like, don't let any kind of fear be a roadblock Mm. for getting this kingdom message out to people. Yeah. I mean, what are they going to do? Like, and I have to think about that. John, that reminds me that all the time. He's like, Casey, what are you so fearful of? Like, what are you afraid people are going to do? And I'm like, I'm afraid they're going to be mad at me and they're going to come over and verbally attack me. And he's like, (laughs) so what? So what? (laughs) <laughs> right. I mean, that comes back I mean, to the like, what are you afraid of someone who can kill the body? But exactly. Not the soul? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't yeah. think that phrase is like saying, oh, we should like be trembling and scared of God because he has both our soul and body, you know, in his hands. Right. Like, it's not saying like, 
be afraid of him because he could send you to hell. Like right. that's not his point. His point is what we're saying. Like mm-hmm. we need to think eternally and think what matters more, just mm-hmm. the body or the body and the mm-hmm. soul. Right. And obviously the body and the soul. But I love how it comes off of that kind of really intense thing. Like <laughs> fear him who can destroy both body and soul. And this is, but are not two sparrows, you know? And, and yeah. so I think this is coming back to that point that God is infinite. He yep. can, he has all bodies and souls in his hand. And yet at the same time, he cares so much about even the sparrows who are not worth a penny. And then it says all the hairs on your head are numbered and and fear not because you are worth more. Mm -hmm. And so I just think it's so gracious and kind of Jesus to come after this kind of like really tough Mm -hmm. and intense, like message and mission he's sending them on and then be like, but, but remember whose you are. Mm Like, don't lose sight of that because if you lose sight of the fact that God cares deeply for you and is in control, he's intimate and infinite. If we lose sight of that, then we're going to worry about the gold that we want, or we're going to worry about the approval or fear of man, or we're going to worry about the family relationships. And we're going to worry about all these other things. He's like, no, this is what you need to remember Mm -hmm. that God is in control and God cares deeply for us Mm -hmm. as individuals. Yeah, that's good. I was thinking about like with my kids, I love them so dearly and I feel like I know them so well, mm-hmm. but sometimes I can't, I wouldn't even be able to tell you like how long their hair is right, right. now, you yeah. know, because it's just, yeah. I'm busy. And even though I love them, like there are details that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the fact that God knows all of the number of all of our hairs, know, like, crazy. you know, it's crazy and yeah. that's some intense love. Yeah. And I, I love thinking about this. Like when we're, we're talking about like, what do we learn about God through these things? One of the things that we learn is his omniscience that he knows all things. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I read when I was learning about that was that he doesn't learn them. Mm-hmm. He isn't he sitting there them. counting the yeah. hairs on our yeah. head. He just knows he just them, knows which is so foreign to us. Cause yeah. in order for us to know something, we have to learn right. it, but God isn't that way. He just knows all things. Crazy. I know. Crazy. Cool. So crazy. Not peace, but a sword. Verses 34 through 39. Do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's tough. This passage I think is used a lot of times to like, be like how, mean is Jesus. Look at how, what he's saying. But again, we have to keep all of scripture in mind as we get in these and we don't want to, what's that saying? We don't want to lose the forest for the trees. And, and so I think if we're thinking about this, he's giving his mission, he's giving his mandate and he's giving his message. And so what, what do we see about one of those things through this? And we see that, that even the strongest human bonds are not able to stop his mission, his, in his message. And even the strongest human bonds, which are, you know, family, which we see here are not able to stop us from loving Jesus as our Lord. And I think, um, he talked about that quite a bit in Tabidi's message about how this was to show us like how ferociously God loves us Mm -hmm. and how we're called to that same love and respond. And that he had a really good, um, quote. He said that he will accept no rival for our love. Mm -hmm. And if we think about that, like 
with our kids or with our spouses, like we're jealous for their love in a healthy, like in an appropriate way. If we think something is threatening to our love with our husband or with our kids, like we are to be jealous for that. And we are to be like, no, this is important. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what Jesus is saying here is this, this, my love for you and your love for me, like that is the utmost and, and nothing can stop it and nothing can overtake it when we are living like the way we're designed to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we need to remember context, Mm -hmm. um, you know, about what he's been talking about. He's been talking about sending these apostles out and he's Mm -hmm. not wanting anything to stop them. Yeah. Not any family ties or anything. Um, and, also, like, this is a little bit confusing because it's like, wait, doesn't Jesus bring peace? It's like Lauren said in her teaching. She was like, does that mean we have to cancel out all the Christmas songs? Like, <laughs> what about? And the angel said, you yeah, know, yeah. he does bring peace. Right. But once again, look at the context. Jesus is talking about this upside down kingdom. So he's saying he doesn't bring peace in the way the world views peace. Mm. He brings a peace between God and man, Mm. but not this like soft peace. Everything's okay. Nothing will ever be hard. Mm -hmm. And she even said, you know, this sword and this um, conflict and this strife could even talking about families. Like he could be even saying like, there will be people in your family that doesn't accept me. Mm -hmm. And look to me like mm-hmm. I'm still most important. Yeah. Like don't yeah. give in to that. Don't, um, be don't distracted. worry about that. Yeah. Don't be distracted by that. I am most important. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's good. I mean, I have been r- just, my family knows Jesus. And mm-hmm. so that's not something that, um, I think about very often yeah. because my family doesn't yeah. question me on that. But I know a lot of people have family that, that that's a constant battle and that's hard. Mm-hmm. That's really hard. Yeah. All right, let's finish up chapter 10, verses 40 to 42. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is the disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. This was a lot of words. There's a lot of like repeating. Yes. I did pretty good. I'm pretty proud of myself. Yeah. I'm not usually good at reading. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think that overall the message of this is just saying that, that like, it's okay. Like there will be some people that receive this message. Mm -hmm. There will be a Mm -hmm. reward, a reward to the person that receives it, but then also a reward to you who, who gives that, who delivers that message. Um, because how amazing is it when Mm. you get to share the gospel with someone and they accept that? Yeah. It's so rewarding. I mean, you don't get physical gold or whatever, but like it's so rewarding. Yeah. I think that's a good point. He's like earlier, he was talking about like, don't take gold, don't take all these things. And he's saying, but there, there is a reward. It's not like you're saying, it's like the upside down kingdom. It's not the reward you're thinking Mm -hmm. of. It's not monetary. It's not some big celebration here on earth, but there is reward for sharing the gospel and that's, you know, eternity. Yeah. Yeah. So that's chapter 10. There was a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of stuff. Yeah. So next week we will be, um, studying chapters 11 and 12. So if you want to read, read ahead, go ahead and do that. And we will be back with you next week. If you've enjoyed this episode, 
please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cox.